This is the England Athletics Podcast. My name's Alex Seftel. Coming up, three talented athletes hoping for great summers. You'll hear from Amy Pratt, the steeplechaser, who's made back-to-back major competitions at the Worlds and Olympics the last few years. Ben Patterson, the 800-metre runner, who's just run a World Championship standard of 145-1. And fellow middle-distance star and three-time European champion at age group level, Isabel Boffy joins us too. She's Birmingham-based and, of course, this episode continues what we're calling the journey to 2022. Looking forward to the Commonwealth Games, which loom closer. Later, you'll hear all about Chris Jones' visit to the Norfolk County Championships. First, all of my conversations with the three athletes mentioned were recorded at this month's Box United Manchester round of the World Athletics Continental Tour. Now, Amy Pratt is Manchester-born and bred, It's where athletics all started for her and her coach Vicente Modal, who was key to organising this meeting. So what did she make of it? I've never appreciated what goes on to organise events like this. It's really opened my eyes. Every time I go to an event now, I'm like, thank you to the organisers, because I think we don't actually appreciate all of the work that goes into it. I mean, I've not seen a continental tour organised in one year before. Vicente and the team have done an amazing job to get it this far so soon, and I'm just excited to see it grow. I remember you said that, uh, Vicente, you were about 14, 15 at the time, and he watched you run against some boys and told you you could be world-class. Yeah, it was actually on this track. Um, I literally did one lap. still baffles me now. Like, I really don't know how he knew because at the time, like, I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't running. Um, and he was like, oh, like, you could be world-class. To be honest, I didn't really react to it at the time. I was just kind of, okay, let's, let's go with it. And I've literally just kept chipping away year on year. And I've still got a fair bit of work to do. I've still got... A lot of improvements to make but I'm just hoping that I can keep improving every year. Yeah because once you broke 930 that's really when you can get the major championship standards but what does it take to do that? Lots of hard work I'm sure not just let me run a bit faster let me hurdle a bit better you know. It's just staying patient which is it sounds very cliche I know it's what everyone says but it's literally years upon years of hard work day in day out and you have days It doesn't go to plan. You come out with a big target and you don't reach it. And it's just about not letting the highs be too high and not letting the lows be too low um, and literally just sticking at it until you get there. Because you have learned from moments where you've ended up in the water jump, quite literally. Because I remember the... uh... 2019 European under 23s where I was commentating and I said uh, you know wins the gold and Amy Pratt we've lost Amy Pratt (laughs) where's she gone yeah I remember um, the last I had 150 meters to go I was in silver medal position I was like oh I'm gonna get a medal here (laughs) Um, and then I fell and um, yeah I think that was really hard to take But I think everything you go through, another cliche, but it definitely makes you stronger. I think I've learned a lot more from the times I've failed than the times that I've won. It's interesting though, because at the end of the race, when people do get tired, often you can notice it by watching on TV, right? This person, their technique is not what it was when we started here. So can you tell that with other athletes around you? I know everyone focuses on their own race. That is the king of cliches. Or maybe executing the race plan. (laughs) But can you tell when other people around you are tiring because of their technique? Yeah, you can. I'd say it's less less technical, more just their body language. I don't think it's something that I do think about because I'm also 
feeling the fatigue and just trying to concentrate on staying on my feet and not doing what I did in 2019. <laughs> yeah, so this season, I mean, you've already got the world standard, haven't you? 9.25, so I suppose now you go in just hoping to give your best? Yeah, I think at the minute I'm just kind of waiting for my breakthrough race. Um, I feel like I've been waiting for that for a few years. Like 2020, I ran 9.30 alone. Um, last year, I ran 9.25, but I ran that very early on in the season and then got quite ill um, and I didn't progress through the year. Um, so again, I've, I've opened with a 9.25 and I just need to step up and hopefully this is the year. I really need to break 9.20. I'm getting really annoyed with that barrier. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully um, I can finally do that and I'll be happy with that. I'm going to go to an altitude camp now. I'm going to um, prepare for the British Championships. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an exciting year and we'll just see what happens. You'll be able to presumably have family if if you are selected for the commonwealth games who would go i mean i don't know your nan whoever yeah you know, no my, my your neighbor <laughs> yeah some of my um, my sisters have been trying to get tickets i don't know if they've actually managed it i think they have but yeah hopefully i think that would be an amazing games and my first commonwealth games to be at home would be really exciting so i'm crossing my fingers i'm selected for that what makes a good competition for you as an um, athlete to be honest, since I've kind of broken through on the international scene, my first World Championships was Doha. Yeah. There was no spectators. There was fans September. though. Yeah. That, the other type of fans, uh, cooling ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember the first night there was nobody in the stadium. The next night they just filled it with like whoever they could find. Somebody yeah. ran a world record and they didn't even react. So yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then the next year we had COVID. So I think I'm yet to experience that big... Uh, international competition and hopefully I get it this year. It seems to me that you're one of the athletes who have good personality, good sense of humour. You come up with captions for Instagram posts and stuff like that. Is that just letting a bit of personality out, just being able to relax, be yourself? And do you feel like more people should do that? Um, I think obviously everyone um, decides how much of themselves they want to show. I remember growing up looking at some of the particularly endurance athletes actually and I used to say to my coach this sounds really rude and people are probably going to hate me for saying this but I'll say to him like why are they so boring like what's wrong with them like we're in such a privileged position this should be fun I feel so grateful to be able to do what I do every day to like this is my job yeah I'm just being myself I think um, for others it's more they feel it gives them a bit of a competitive edge to be a bit more closed off. But for me, like, I don't really care. <laughs> what do you do away from the track then to relax? I watch a lot of Netflix. I've recently relocated myself to Lisbon in a house of athletes, which has been really different for me because um, I've been so used to training alone. So I'm, I'm in a bit of a more elite environment but it's, it's a really nice atmosphere. Nobody's too serious. We're just, yeah, going for coffees in between sessions. And yeah, I, I actually think I need to get a hobby. I keep saying to everyone, I need to learn some new skills. Um, I'm studying a financial course at the minute, which I signed up for online, which has taken up a bit of my time. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone actually has any ideas of hobbies I could take up, I'd be grateful. <laughs> Any suggestions? Maybe learn Portuguese, given the recent Lisbon move? 
You can tweet using the hashtag England Athletics Podcast. That's Amy Pratt then, who this year has set the best ever time over 2K for the steeplechase by British woman of 6.08. In a moment, you'll find out about one of Ben Patterson's hobbies next. The European under-20 silver medalist is in great form. In an event where lots of young athletes have set what he rightly calls crazy times over the last few years. But that cliche about focusing on yourself is particularly true of Ben, who you may not know has come back from having heart surgery in 2020. At one point, he was asked to consider giving up the sport completely. Now, he seems to be on an upward trajectory. Kind of surprised myself, early doors, running a PB first race out, and then Diamond League B race, I won that against a lot of Brits, which I was, again, quite surprised at. Did a 1K in Poland as well against a very good field. I won that, so I was just trying to... Now I'm focused on trying to get the times. I know I've got the racing. Because it's so packed within the kind of British men, it's, it must be really interesting to test yourself against them, against the likes of Carl Langford and others. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's many other events like it. So many other guys. One of the main events where anyone can beat anyone, so it's, it's good to get races like this in where you can test yourself, see where you're at. One of your biggest achievements was winning the silver medal as part of that historic one, two, three at the yeah. European under-20s even with uh, Oliver Dustin and, and Finley McClear. Is that something you look back to and think, I want to be on that sort of level, but now at senior? I like that. Like It was a great achievement at the time. I just kind of want to do something more now. Like Everyone mentions that, rightly so, because it was a great achievement at the time, but I kind of want to move on, make a senior champs, maybe make a final, maybe get some medals. I'm at that age now where I just need to sort of get on with it a bit and try and leave my junior career behind me. So, oh, well, people will say you're only 20. Exactly, so, you know, yeah. perspective. But I know I've got loads of years ahead of me and that Euro under-20s was my first year back at 800 metres. So I feel like since then I've, I've learned so much in the sport. Would you consider yourself as, as out and out 800 metres? Because there was great speed and potential when you were running 47 second flat a couple yeah. of years ago. When I went to 400s, I, I did it for two years. It was me and my dad had the idea we'll go and focus on the speed while I was young so I didn't have to do the mileage that I needed to to compete at the top of the 800s, which I think has benefited me massively because now I've got the speed without having to touch too much on the speed work. And I'd even argue this year I'm more of an 815 guy. Like I did 1500 at Bucks, lost to Matt Stonia, who's just ran 335. I did a K last week where I beat 332.15 guy and I definitely want to get some fours in this year, but I also want to get a good 15 in. So I think eight's where I'm most comfortable. But again, like I said, I've got years ahead of me where I hopefully I'll find my right event in one of those three. So you're mentioning about other people, the times they've run. Are you quite engrossed in that? What's happening where and, and getting a measure of yourself against other people that way? Not really. It's more just like after a race, people would tell me, oh, you beaten that guy, he's a 332 guy. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, okay. That was like quite a good achievement. And then, like I mentioned, Matt Stonia, I know about him because I like train with him in Loughborough. Like he's part of my training group, so I'm good mates with him. So I've just seen he's ran a big PB. He's ran the Commonwealth time. So, yeah, I'm not so much bothered about other people because, especially from my perspective, you had people like Oliver Dustin, Max Bergen when I was younger running crazy times. Especially at, my, at this age and younger, like everyone's at different places in their career. So, you, I was like the first year of doing my 800s and people were running like 144 and I was like, 
I'm just trying to get to grips with doing two laps. So Yeah, and anyone can have a great season at any time. That's maybe Matt Stoney or, or whoever else. I mean, you're having a decent season. You only had a few races. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I remember you posting about you had some serious surgery, didn't you? So we talk about your junior career, but you've really come back from that. Just yeah. tell me about what you went through. It was pretty tough. So I've had these heart problems from when I was younger. I think I went to the doctors about it when I was like 12, maybe. And they said, oh, no, everything's fine. And then I bought a heart rate monitor to prepare myself to go out of tube training. And it was saying like my heart rate was getting up to like 250 beats per minute during sessions. And like I could feel it and see it. It's what I've had my whole life. But then I went through some other doctors and they were like, yeah, okay, this is a problem. Like, so I had to get an operation to like burn a bit of my heart off. Luckily it was, um, it was COVID season, so I didn't miss out on much, but it meant I couldn't do any exercise at all for like three months which was very tough at the time, but I had the right people around me, which got me through it. And, but I think that sort of my mindset out a bit, like there is much bigger things to worry about in life. If you miss a couple of weeks of training because you've got a niggle, it's not the end of the world. Like when I had three months off all exercise, I took it very slowly to start with because I had to let the wound heal. But then once I was back running, I, was, I found my shape so quickly, which kind of got into my head. It's better to miss a couple of weeks and let things recover then push through the pain and then you're out for even longer. It is really interesting though, particularly when you talk about heart rate monitoring, how you know whether it's discomfort or an issue you can push past or when you should stop and take more notice. And that must be an interesting thing to try and balance and try and get your head around. I'd had it my whole life, I was born with it. So I was at the stage where I was just running through it. Obviously when I was younger, I knew something wasn't right, but then I was told it was normal. I always had it in my head, like growing up. I thought we'll go back to the doctors because I've got evidence of it now. And then they were like, okay, you need to stop doing like, they first said, oh, can you just stop athletics? I was like, well, not really like the level I'm at. I want that to be my career. So they weren't happy with that. But then, like, and then I had to go through loads of tests. And then I got the phone call. You've got to have an operation. At first of all, I was like, oh my God, what's going on? When you think of hearts, you think operation. I'm thinking, oh God, but it wasn't too bad in then. I was awake for the whole thing, which was pretty crazy. They put me on like loads of morphine and stuff, but still I like thought I wouldn't be awake for it and stuff, but. So when you say an operation to burn part of your heart, what's the name of that surgery? Probably it's a big called long a name, isn't catheter it? ablation. Right. So the thing I had was Wolf Parkinson White syndrome and uh, atrial fibrillation, I think. So got a good memory there. Yeah, I've been told it enough, but yeah, so basically it's like I've got an extra connection in my heart and sometimes it would go down like the electrical impulses would go down both, the extra one and the normal one, so it would like trip out the heart, it would go up to like 250 beats per minute and it wasn't always when I was exercising, sometimes I'd just be sat there and it would happen, like, so I just thought, thought it, was, it was normal until then I found the right doctors. I had my parents, my, my friends, like all my, my running friends, they got me a card and that like before my surgery saying like, good luck and that. So yeah, it was, it was nice like, cause it was a big shock when, I, when it happened and it was like through lockdown. So I couldn't go out and see people. So I was just stuck in the house not being out, even able to exercise, going pretty crazy. Had my PS4, that got me through it most of the time. <laughs> what, so. FIFA or something else? A bit of FIFA, a bit, it was when Warzone was big. So I was, I was hopping on there. I'd like to say I got quite good, but I didn't. I was playing a lot of it, but. I couldn't really do anything else. You get wear and tear in your thumbs though after a while. I mean, finally, so you obviously have the chance of Commonwealth selection. What would it mean to be on that start line in Birmingham? I mean, it would be my, my first major call-up. 
Obviously, I've had the age group champs over the years, but I think it'd be a huge step forward to get in a senior team, especially at this age, in this event. Like, like you said, it's so stacked and all my other races, I think I've shown good form. I've beaten some good athletes. I've, I've ran the standard. I'm hoping to go quicker because that was my season opener where I was just looking to race it and the time was like I finished and I thought it was like a 148 race. And I saw the time, and I, I couldn't believe it. So I'd love to be on that team, like it's a home champs. My coach got a ticket ages ago because obviously we just wanted to go because it's Commonwealth. And when I ran the stand, he was like, oh, okay, I've got tickets for the eight. Like, it'd be really good if you can make the team. So yeah, I think it would just be a really good experience. Anyone who gets picked for the England team, you've got to be looking to medal. Like we're so strong, like we can't just be going there to take part. I know I said I like the experience would be amazing, but you can't go there just for the experience. You've got to be, if you're lucky enough to get picked for that team, you have to be going for a medal, I think. Well, hopefully you get in some training, you, you have some good luck on the track, but also yeah. get some time to relax with the PS4. Yeah. <laughs> That's Ben Patterson, who said his mum might well end up listening to this podcast. So yes, welcome to parents, coaches, officials, volunteers, athletes, and everyone. Now over to another 800 meter runner in Isabel Boffy, who last summer completed the set of European age group titles under 18, under 20 and under 23. Who knows, maybe she'll go on to win the senior crown one day too. But one moment that really impressed me was in May, seeing her dominate the British University's championships for Birmingham, including taking the bat on by the scruff of the neck and winning the 4 by 400 meter relay and having her whole team flock around her to celebrate. The mood was really just infectious. Boffy was brilliant, showing herself, I think, to be captain material for the top level of the sport. Let's see what she thought of the event. I've had a really positive start to the season. I think, yeah, the box is so early and I was so happy to just come away with a win. And then the relay was immense and like the atmosphere was insane. So like, yeah, it was great. It's a really good opportunity, I suppose, for you to work on your speed doing 400 metres. I definitely consider myself much more of a 48 runner rather than an 8.15 runner so I really enjoy doing the fours it's just obviously hard to fit them in your schedule during the height of the season the European tours and stuff like that but also beating an out and out 400 runner I think Natasha Harrison on the last leg there was just such a roar of an atmosphere that really you don't actually get in many athletics events at all yeah, no, we're really lucky. Like, we have a really good setup at Birmingham University. And there's just, like, so many of us athletes. Everyone is so, so unbelievably supportive. We range so much from, like, elite athletes, Olympians, to, like, people that are absolutely ecstatic to make, you know, bucks and, like, be able to get those times. So... Yeah, I'm a little bit biased because I went to Birmingham Uni, so, you know, <laughs> it's right up there with the best. Yeah. It's also a good uni generally in the nice facilities and stuff like that and actually enjoy being a university student. And I'm sure you can't lie, you do some of that as well, right? Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. you just wouldn't be normal. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Like, I definitely think I've got the best of both worlds. I did quite an academic course, biomedicine. Just finished, handed in my last assignment. I've got a free summer um, now, basically, just and then got to decide what I'm going to do in September. But... Um, it's perfect balance for me. The club is so social generally, like I live with all the athletes, so there's like a good balance of social side and then also the serious running side and then obviously academics as well, like I've already mentioned. So what is it like being in an athlete house then? Do you all have alarm clocks for runs at 6am and silly hours? I think the main thing is I like never find myself running by myself. So, you know, we just say someone goes, oh, I want to run at this time, this distance. And then, you know, everyone can tag along. There's enough routes going from where we all live that it's quite easy just to all run together. I think that's the main thing for me. Like I, a lot of my enjoyment 
in athletics come from the social side of just like meeting like-minded people so it just makes it a bit easier to coordinate never be running by myself as someone maybe who has a bit more of a scientific brain does that kind of reflect your approach to sport in any way I'm, I'm one of those people that needs an explanation for everything so I'll be in the physio and, and he'll go okay we're doing this and I'll be like okay why tell me why what am I doing and I just feel like it makes things seem more important makes things easier to get done because I know why I'm doing them I know the process of how I'm going to get from A to B and I definitely think that helps in a race because it just means you're a bit more concentrated and stuff you said you know now it's the summer and the summer at the end of uni is like the, the first part of the rest of your life so I mean what would you kind of like to do I'm not being your mum and asking you, you know, what you're going to do next I'd like to further my education a little bit I'm 22 right now so I, I just think in my head I, I don't know what I want to do with my life uh, outside of athletics and you know at the moment I'm making a career out of athletics but also that's not going to last forever um, so I definitely want to maybe do a master's degree maybe take a year out you know that's you'd love to have a couple of years of bucks yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know I really want to I really want to get that bucks record in the eight um, so it'd be nice to oh, is it Marilyn Okoro's is it 203 I it's think like it's Marilyn Okoro's 203.5 I yes. think well you don't often get that fast a race it's tough I mean, that's the thing yeah you don't you don't often get a fast race I know a lot of the girls my age that do the eight aren't actually in uni so okay. I'm kind of one of the only girls sort of like sub 203 but next year we've got the young guys coming in um, I know that, that Abby Ives is, is hoping to come to Birmingham so that'll be great for me training and racing wise so it would be interesting yeah you've had a kind of fascinating last few years there have been some great rivalries at a time with other athletes that you've been so neck and neck with there's been a, a clutch of you coming through like Kai Malanga Keely Hodgkinson and others have you followed everyone's careers? Because it has been interesting how one person has a good season and one person then next year follows that up. Definitely. I think it's been really nice that we have such a good group of 800 metre runners, especially sort of like us slightly younger girls. Um, yeah, no, I definitely follow everyone. Like, it's really exciting to see what people do. It's really nice to see other people at races, actually. It's like I'm always racing Kai. Used to always be racing Keely, but now she's a bit more on the big stage. So, yeah, it's really nice. You might be only a season away from, from making huge progress. You just never know what's around the corner. Is, is that how you feel sometimes? You've got quite a settled sort of approach with, with Luke Gunn now, who also leads the university athletic setup as well. I think I'm really lucky to be in the setup that I am. I've got so many people, elite athletes, a lot of retired elite athletes around me to sort of show me the way. But like some people forget, it takes years to to go from what a two minutes flat to a 157 so I feel like I'm really fit right now and I'm ready to run fast I just need to you know once I've done it once I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep going from there so I'm just kind of looking forward to getting as much out of myself as possible this season and then just kind of build from there. I think it's harsh when we look at times as, as barriers all the time I mean naturally it's going to happen there are other ways of looking at athletics and looking at improvement, aren't there? There's like self-development, there's how much you've improved compared to your previous season, compared to last week. So do you think people focus too much on breaking this, breaking two minutes, breaking 157, whatever? I definitely think ultimately like breaking those times is, is such a mental barrier as well as a physical barrier. Like you people obviously people that the public that don't do sort of competitive sport they probably don't understand as much how much of a racing is a mental game like training you can be running the most amazing times in training and never be able to produce that same time in the race but then you could also be running horrifically in training and then produce the race of your life the next week you just you just don't know what's going to happen and that's you know the ultimate combination of support the mental side the physical side you know the physio the snc it all contributes to like the same thing and ultimately the setup you have kind of makes such a difference. What about your biomedicine 
friends, what do they think about your athletics career? It's one of those things where they just go, oh, you're going to win the Olympics. You so know? you go around twice, don't you? <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, they're just so amazed by, like, everything I do. They see me on TV, they're like, oh, my God, you're on TV. And that's the n- normal reaction for normal people. I think sometimes we play ourselves down a little bit. You know, I'm used to doing travelling all summer and going to these European races and being on TV, being on BBC and British Chance and stuff Do like athletes that. care about being on TV for the first time? Or is it really your grandma? I, <laughs> I think at the beginning, like, it's this amazing thing. But obviously, as I was saying, like, the more you get used to it, it becomes this normal thing. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm on TV again. It doesn't matter. But actually, to the general person, it's the most amazing thing. And I just think sometimes you have to look back on that and remember that, like, you are the elite of the elite you know if you're at British Champs you are the top 20 in the country in in a specific distance and you know that's such an achievement let alone getting to the final winning a medal so you know it all makes a difference. So we can't really finish without talking about Birmingham hosting the Commonwealth Games I mean it's going to be great isn't it? Yeah definitely there's already a buzz like we at the university are hosting the hockey and the squash so like all around the uni we've already got banners we've got people setting up stands and everything for the hockey there's been a buzz all year so it's almost just like we're waiting for it to happen now yeah so like it's it's really exciting to just be sort of like living in a host city isabel boffy mentioning the buzz there around birmingham ahead of the commonwealth games is being felt elsewhere too and is not only coming from athletes over in norfolk one particular official is getting ready to be part of the games we already know who they'll be our ceo chris jones was at the norfolk county championships and sent over this snapshot to give a flavor of the weekend's action. Here with Paul Bailey at the side of the track here at University of East Anglia, Norfolk County Champs. Paul, you've just been talking me through your official's journey. Tell us a bit about it. Well, I started off not that many years ago, probably at a more mature age. My son was competing, the club needed officials, kept at it and decided I'd make that my hobby and work my way gradually through to level four and combination being set for the Commonwealth Games, which is quite a pinnacle as far as I'm concerned. Isn't that brilliant that you're yeah. here this weekend for the Norfolk County Champ, but in August you're <laughs> going to be officiating at the Birmingham yeah. Commonwealth Games. Uh, it's quite a thing, but it's got to start at grassroots and work the way up. So Fantastic. You were talking me through your son. And yeah, my uh... son Matthew, he's 25. He's started off as a young athlete. That's where I got involved. Um, he's now here leading the senior men um, javelin competition. He loves officiating <laughs> most of the time. His speciality has actually been training officials in Norfolk how to use the EDM. Um, so I'll leave that to him. He's happy with That's that. That's fantastic. He is young in the context of officials. And yeah. we were saying earlier how at the age of 25 he could be a real role model for other youngsters in their kind of teenage years thinking, well, officiating could be for me. And we need more people, don't we? Yeah, he's also a coach and coaches at our club quite a lot. And so mainly the younger athletes. And they actually look up to him. He's done everything from national finals at um, Sports Hall. On, he's competing nationally in hurdles. He actually on, helps Maya. encourage others. On, and lady. certainly for the club events, he will actually push the youngsters and sort of get involved in spiking, marking or collecting. On, Whether or not we can get them to carry on to a high level. But you've got to start somewhere. There may be a little seed of enthusiasm. That's fantastic, Paul. And we're here at the finish line. And yeah. uh, you can hear the atmosphere here is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, thanks for everything you're continuing to do at a grassroots end of the sport. But also, uh, good luck in Birmingham this summer. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. So here we're chairman of Athletics Norfolk, Clyde Poyner, yep. and also England Athletics uh, Club elected director on the board. Yes. And uh, Clive, what are we seeing here today at University of East Anglia? Lots of action 
pivotal moment in the Norfolk Athletics competition calendar? Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. So it's the, uh, the county championships today. Uh, we had a really good day yesterday in the sunshine. Uh, but the Sunday is always the, the day. Today we've got the uh, Special Olympics uh, athletes from Suffolk and Norfolk here as well. Uh, we've also got 96 competing in the uh, quad kids competition. Going on around them is what they hopefully can aspire to in the future, uh, which is the mainstream competition. So uh, overall over the weekend we've got the uh, best part of uh, 400 athletes competing, probably across about 700 event entries. So yeah, pivotal day, yeah, and really good to see so many people enjoying themselves in the uh, athletics environment again after obviously the last few years. And as someone who is leading a county association, how important are county competitions for club athletes, especially coming out of the pandemic and everything we've been through the last couple of years? Obviously some of the athletes are aspiring for bigger things, um, but yeah, the majority of club athletes, this is sort of their, their biggest opportunity. So if they need to be here and, and they've all entered, yeah, which is really good to see, and this is heavily dependent on volunteers giving their time for the benefit of others. We always need more volunteers? We most certainly do need more volunteers. Uh, today and yesterday we had around about 40 uh, volunteers uh, between officials and, and the admin teams that were running all the results. Luckily today, because we've uh, sort of got some new bombs and dads here for quad kids, got them sort of cut the teeth straight away in terms of like them helping out and the, uh, the lesser qualified requirements of sort of quad kids. Um, but always, always in need of more volunteers uh, to support the sport. Yesterday we ended up sort of doing only sort of three trials for certain things because we haven't really got the number of people to run sort of four, six trials. Always need more people coming in at that, that sort of foundation level to uh, hopefully then progress in the sport. And some of the officials here today will actually be at the, uh, the GB trials and the Commonwealth Games in a few weeks. And they've sort of progressed from, yeah, from doing this sort of ten years ago. And in terms of impacting people's mental, physical health, well-being, I think I can't think of any sports that are better placed in athletics and running to be able to kind of seize the baton, if you like, coming out of what we've been through over the last two years to really engage the community, encourage people to live healthier lives. Totally agree. We were a little bit concerned, I think, after the pandemic in terms of sort of the, yeah, the, the entry point for the under-11s, under-13s. Under-13s is still down, but then the under-11s is, is sort of kicking back in. Yeah, they get so much enjoyment out, and yeah, actually, if you've seen during one of the races, one of the young girls stopped because one of the other girls was a little bit injured and sort of crying and stopped to egg her on and sort of, you yeah, know, support her. Um, and all the mums and dads are obviously sort of, you yeah, know, cheering on as well. And what you've got here is you've got an integration of age groups, events, and ultimately there's a real festival feel here. It's county championship weekend across the whole country. Any thoughts that you've got on how those counties that may be struggling in terms of participant numbers can go about improving their competition, improving the experience for the athletes and parents and everyone else involved? Uh, I mean, what we've just tried to do is make it yeah, absolutely fully inclusive. So, yeah, we have Masters medals and awards um, and all their individual age groups, all the way down to the, say, the under-11s that we can see running now. Again, and then you know, getting Special Olympics involved as well. So absolutely, yeah, the more people we can get involved, and you know, the better. Brings more people in, and then you get more the sort of the snowball effect. It just rolls and rolls and rolls. And in terms of your role as a, an elected director on the board of England Athletics, vitally important that the board of directors has the insight and knowledge from people like yourself and, of course, Janice Kaufman, Lorna Booth, Julian Starkey, the other representative directors on the board. Uh, some lessons that we can take as England Athletics looking at these events. What more can we do to support them? I think, yeah, in terms of obviously being on the board, I understand the sort of financial situation and constraints, but it's, it's really the key thing, I think, from a, my board position is to sort of try and encourage that sort of grassroots volunteers. Can we get a wide funnel? Yeah, the more athletes, the more volunteers we can get at the base, 
time goes by, we know we have attrition at the higher age groups, then surely yeah, there'll be more people, hopefully in five, six years, if we can make a bigger funnel and, and wider base now. So that would be, I suppose, my key thing in terms of what I'm going to perhaps try and aspire to over the, the time I'm on the board, is to try and make it easier to entry points and uh, make it so that yeah, the more coaches, the more volunteers we've got, the more we can do. And if uh, our members across the country uh, want to pose you a question or come up with an idea that you can then keep in your mind to table when we're devising national strategies and policies, how do they get hold of you? Uh, well, again, if, they, if you look on the, the website, you, you'll see my uh, sort of portfolio and my uh, email address, so they can drop me an email and uh, any time I'll do my best to respond. And then if, you know, if it's the right sort of thing, I'll take it to the board and uh, yeah, put your point forward. That's englandathletics.org. Uh, look under the About Us section. You'll find all the board director biographies and then, of course, details on the England Council and the regional councils. Elections coming up in early 2023. So if you're interested in getting involved as a volunteer council across nine regions, please uh, consider that. But thank you, Clive, for everything you're doing at a local level, but also nationally with England Athletics as well. And, and thank you, Chris, for coming down today and supporting it and seeing what we're doing in Norfolk. Uh, it's a real pleasure having you here. Here at the University of East Anglia Sports Park, the home of City of Norwich Athletics Club and the home today of the Athletics Norfolk County Championships. Here with Ian Harvey, long-serving volunteer. I believe has stood down for 30 years of being treasurer for the county association. Yeah. Fortunately, so far, dry day. Uh, what are you hoping for today's event? Um, it looks like there's a lot of people attending this time. So yes, hope all goes well. And I'm going to bring in Brendan Byrne here. Again, another long-serving individual to Norfolk Athletics, uh, heavily involved with Norfolk schools as well. Brendan, this championship seems to go from strength to strength. Yes, um, the county championships are obviously sort of a highlight of the athletics year in the county. Certainly one of the big events. I mean, the cross country is a big event as well, of course. And we've got the Norfolk schools next month on June the 11th. And so these kind of events, the Norfolk Schools County Championship, how important do you think these events are coming out of what we've been through over the last two years? And how important do you think athletics and running is to getting people more active, not only physically but mentally coming out of the pandemic? I think the answer is what you see here. Very, very simple one. It was Obviously it was a problem during the pandemic and what you see here is a huge amount of enthusiasm. Um, if you watch the, the Special Olympics people taking part and the quad kids bit, the enthusiasm is just enormous. And if that can carry on, then we'll be doing okay. And there's a real festival feel here. You get a sense that people are really pleased to be back competing in this form again after two years of, well, unprecedented disruption, really. I've always felt that in Norfolk you have a really close bond between the clubs and the schools and the club association, and this really typifies it today. How important are county championships and county events to supporting local clubs? Yes, I think if you look down the, the entry list for today, every single club in the county uh, involved in that has got people taking part today. Even some of the very new clubs like Attigal, for instance, which is from just a year or so ago, they've got several people taking part as well. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, well, you've got the big clubs like Yarmouth, City of Norwich, fairly obviously, because it's the, in the biggest centre of population, West Norfolk, Kings Lynn, Riston from Kings Lynn as well, uh, from that area down the market, uh, Wyndham, they're all taking part. This is the first normal season, if you like, since 2019. We've also got, of course, a home Commonwealth Games, bookended by a World Athletics and European Athletics Championships in the summer. That will serve as an inspiration for many of these young athletes or aspiring coaches and officials to aim to greater heights. So it really is an exciting season, I think, don't you? Well, 
one thing you may not be aware of that the, the shop that Sophie McKenna has entered always has been a huge supporter of local athletics. She has in the past said that this is her favourite throwing circle. That's brilliant to hear, and of course, she will have uh, her sights set on achieving well at these major competitions. So that real, really shows some symmetry between the grassroots of the sport and the elite end of the sport. And what other sports can you find on a you know, Monday to Friday training night? The opportunity for participants of all abilities to be on the same track, in the same field as elite athletes. It really is a special facet of our sport, isn't it? Well, I've had a group on a, on a Tuesday and Thursday evening which has got two English schools champions and two schools internationals in it, as long as a lad that comes along is handicapped all part of the same group. So athletics here is very inclusive. Really inclusive and uh, I think as a sport we're, we're arguably more diverse, more inclusive, more engaged and engaging than many other sports and uh, it's something we should celebrate and thanks for everything you two guys have done in putting on this wonderful competition this weekend. And Ian, final word to you. Are you looking forward to what the rest of 2022 uh, holds for Norfolk Athletics and what in particular sticks out to you? Well, we want to try and get a photo finish system, so we're looking to raise money during this year towards that. We've already got some money on one side, and we may be putting on a special event to hopefully raise money sometime in August. OK, so how much uh, are you aiming to raise? We really want a minimum of £30,000. How have you done so far? We've got roughly £20,000 available. OK, so you need some support from people within and outside of Norfolk yeah. to get you over that finish line. 30000 quid yeah. for a piece of equipment that really will add some value to competitions in Norfolk. And yeah. um, how can people get involved if they've got the interest? There is a um, fundraising page. I think it's on Just Giving. And that will be under North Norfolk Athletics, yeah? Look at Norfolk Athletics Facebook page. Great. There's a link on there to it. That's superb. Well, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I think it'll probably go out in the next few weeks. That will be around about the start of June. Get behind Norfolk Athletics. Great organisation led by its volunteers. Great history, proud heritage. And thank you very much, gents, for everything you're doing. Well, thanks to Chris Jones, Amy Pratt, Ben Patterson and Isabel Boffey for joining us this month. Do catch us next time and keep an eye out for more content as the Commonwealth Games gets closer including the squad announcements and we'll have all the details and reactions.